There we go. Thank you very much. As you uh, probably all know, that this weekend we are remembering the life and ministry and, and the issues that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. raised in our society. And it is, um, I have, as a boy, as I was growing up and would see some of the marches that were happening and some of the things, and I would watch kind of puzzled about what this was all about. As a person, um, as a white man, I had never experienced some of those things. And to um, watch that and then to hear Dr. King preach was uh, a thrill for me to hear him as he would speak. He was an amazing preacher. Um, in fact, I have some books that I uh, like to read because I just like to read his sermons. And even in his sermons is his cadence, even as they're written there. It's a well, well uh, deserved. So as we were thinking about that, and as I was going over this, uh, this weekend, I was uh, thinking that as our church family, that um, racism is to have no place here. Right? Racism is to have no place here. I was reading an article in the National Geographic, and it was on racism. And uh, these scientists, these uh, biological scientists, whatever they're called, were doing research across, uh, across the world, and they were tracing and testing and so forth all the different races they had found, different group, people groups. And their conclusion that they came to was there was only one race, and that was the human race that there are no other races. And as I thought about that, I said, yes, we are all flesh and blood, the same, just children of God. And we are to treat each other with respect, with dignity. And I ask God to please help me not to ever be a racist. And um, I hope you pray that as well. This morning, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 15. We discussed and began last week the discussion of Abraham as we're looking through some of the Old Testament stories. And we're continuing on with Abraham because Abraham had much to say and much after that. And if you recall last week, God had given to Abraham a promise. And the promise was that he would have an heir and that he would have a son and he would have like the sands of the sea would come. Well, many years had passed. In fact, the Bible in Genesis 15:1 said, and after this, meaning as years had passed, and Abraham must have been wondering, when is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? So we have a most interesting discussion that takes place between God and Abraham in this next chapter. And so in chapter 15, after this, the Bible says, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Yes, it's all ongoing, just as I had planned, uh, the Lord had promised to him. And then I hear, and I see this, and in the very next verse it says, But Abram, but Abram. I love this discussion that happens between Abraham and God. It goes on back and forth. And it appears that God doesn't get mad at us when we question and talk with him. So here he goes, but Abraham. 
And so Abram, he begins and he starts, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and, one, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham continued to say, You have given me no child, so a servant in my household will be my heir. In other words, if we were to look at this in shorthand for us today, with all due respect, Lord, it's your fault that I don't have any children. Your fault. And you promised, and there's been no delivery. Where is it? You know, we do get impatient with, with God and with things. You know, we, we like things coming right away. Amazon has, Amazon.com has made a life about that, of how to get you your stuff quick. And if you're a Prime, Prime member, oh, man, we can, you pay, we get you that stuff right away. Did you know if you're not Prime member that they hold on to your stuff a day and then mail it? So that they do. They hold it on a day because you didn't pay the extra, so now we make one more day. So how patient are you? Well, I don't know. I want it right away. We're like that, aren't we? We want it right away. We don't want to wait. We want to have instant, have it here as quickly as possible. So Abraham said, it's your fault for this delay. We've had no children. Obviously, there's some kind of a problem. So he said to Lord, I have figured out a plan on how to solve it. Abram had figured out the plan on how to solve it. He's going to let his heir be the one who would do that. God gave him a promise. It evidently isn't going to be fulfilled. He's looking at all the time. So I'm going to let my servant fulfill your promise. What a great plan Abram had. Isn't that just like us to say, well, if it isn't going to work one way, I'll make it happen another way. And so he stepped in and the word of the Lord came to him. Verse 4, this man will not be your heir. But a son, who is your own flesh and blood, will be your heir. So evidently, Abraham's plan wasn't God's plan. We have to be careful in this life that our plans may not be God's plans. I thought I was going to retire here in Naples. Evidently, that's not the case. So God took Abraham outside, and he said, now, look up at the sky and count the stars. And I used to try to do that as a child. But look up and count that. And so, so shall your offspring be. You are going to have lots of offspring. Now, would you look at the very next? If you've got it there in your Bible, you've got to look at the very next verse. And it said, and Abraham believed the Lord. Now, the Hebrew word that's used there, the thing is, that's shared with there, is that Abraham believed he amend. he amen. We think of amen as kind of, at the end of our prayers, we say amen. And I'm wondering if you kind of think it's like goodbye. I said amen, goodbye. But amen does not mean goodbye. It means, really, the meaning of it, and the Hebrew uh, part of it is, is saying, it is in your will, Lord. As you will. That's the meaning. Amen. I give it to you. Amen. It is yours. You do as you wish. That's really what that meaning is. And so he believed. He amen. He said, it is yours. I'm trusting you, Lord. I had a plan. You say that's not going to be it. So I'm trusting you. And the text goes on to say, to that, gives that part. The text goes on to say, and he credited it to him as righteousness. 
This is stunning. This is stunning to have this. And he credited, because he believed, he credited to him as righteousness. He gave him something here. He, God gave him something on his account. This is the first place, the first place in the Bible where we have faith and justification linked together. Now, certainly it's been true all the way along, but it's the first place where it's spoken of so clearly. Faith, trust, same word, to believe, trust, to amen, to trust, to put your trust in God, is associated and linked with being justified. Now, we'll deal more with that later, but, <laughs> but Abraham, look at that, verse 8, but Abraham. But Abraham, yes, but Abraham. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? How will I know that? You see this dialogue that's going back and forth between the Lord and Abraham? Even though it's been counted as righteous. Well, okay, I believe you that I'm going to have kids. I believe that. But how am I going to get the land that you've promised? How am I going to take possession of that? So the Lord did a very strange thing, and you can read it there. I'm not going to take all the time. He said you could take these animals, you divide them in half, you split them, and then you walk between them. And we will make what was called a blood covenant. A covenant in my blood. Did not the Lord make a covenant with us in his blood at Calvary? So Abraham... Splitting these animals. Had a covenant made. Walk between them. I'm slaughtering these animals. We're slaughtering these animals to let you know I'm so serious about this. This promise will be so true. And it's going to happen that I'm going to split these animals and we're going to walk between them and it's done in blood. Not just on a piece of paper or a handshake or a yeah, yeah, yeah. It was done in blood. Of course... Then come, came along Abram's wife, Sarai. And when she heard about this, she had her own comments to make, and I'm putting words in her mouth a little bit, but she says, well, with all due respect, I can never have any children. Come on. Maybe, maybe, maybe when you first got there, but now, many years later, forget it. There's just no way. I mean, I'm a woman. <laughs> I know my body, she said. I know how these things work, and there's just no way, no way that I could have a child. So she came up and said, I have a plan on how to solve the problem. Now, that's just <laughs> the same thing that Abraham did, you know what? Yes, sorry, Lord. Sorry, Lord, I did. But I have a plan. So, so now Sarai, she has her plan. She's all set. And she's going to offer, and she went and she talked to Abraham and says, why don't you take Hagar, my servant, and fulfill the promise of God through Hagar? Wouldn't that be, isn't this the way we can solve the problem? Because I'm not going to do anything, and she's much younger, and she can give you a child. It seemed like such a rational thing to do. And so evidently, evidently God let them go ahead. They went ahead with this, they had their plan, they had it all worked out, and she gave birth to Ishmael. Now, if you read the story in there about the, this, just, this was not a good plan. Uh, Sarai, she drove out 
Hagar, and she got jealous, and Ishmael, and they drove him out, and the angel came and spoke to her, if you know the story, came and saved their lives, they're out in the desert, drawn away, and the angel came and said to him about Ishmael, he will be a wild donkey of man, his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. True. True. If you turn now, just keep going. Genesis 17, we're going to pick up the story again. So God in, uh, in named, uh, changed Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham. And then in verse 15, if you'll pick up there, and God said to Abraham, As your wife Sarai, you are no longer to call her Sarai, but you are to call her Sarah. I will bless her. And will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. King, uh, kings of people will come from her. And Abraham fell face down laughing. Well, this great man of faith. This man who had said amen. This man, who had been credited righteousness, is now laughing, fell on his face laughing so hard about it. Well, Lord, isn't it getting a little late? You promised years have gone by, years have gone by, no fulfillment, years have gone by, years have gone by. Kind of like, where is the promise of his coming? You know? My dad never thought he would ever get married. He never thought he'd finish medical school. Never thought he'd have children. Lord was coming too soon. Never thought he'd retire. Never thought that we'd go to my mother's funeral together. Never thought he would pass away. Where is the promise of his coming? Ah, behold, I come quickly. I'm even at the door. And although we're respectful, do we in our hearts kind of fall on our face laughing? I don't know. But Abraham fell on his face laughing, and Abraham said to God, verse 18, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. I have another plan. I have another idea, Lord. Why don't you let Ishmael, my heir, there we go. That would be the thing that would work. And the Lord said to him, God said, yes. Yes, these promises would help Ishmael. But your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. And when Sarah heard all about this, she also laughed at God as well. She later denied it. But she, she laughed at God as well, the Bible says. Don't you find that rather intriguing story? I kind of, really? The household of faith started at Abraham. He went into the country. He, he obeyed God. He went to a land where he didn't know. He, he said amen to the promises of God. And now... The promise to be fulfilled through Abraham and through Sarah 
They're laughing. They're laughing at God. Did their laughter stop God's plan? No. Did not. Did their lack of trust of what God was going to do stop God's plan? No. Is anything too hard for the Lord, the Bible asks. Is anything too hard? Here's a picture of a wall that's in Israel. Those of you who are going with me, and some of you, if you still want to go, you still, still can. There's a wall we will see dividing Ishmael's people from Isaac's people. Stunning. All right, back to the credit thing. I want to get back to the credit thing because that's, that's what we need to know. Back to the credit thing. Would you turn now to Romans chapter 4? Romans chapter 4. Now, as the Apostle Paul, who was a great scholar, who uh, had been trained by Gamil, he, he, as he thought about this, as he became a Christian, he began to pull things from the Old Testament and see things in a different light. And so as he began to pull these things and began to come to this understanding, he saw, he saw God's great grace towards us. God's grace. So if you were to find Romans chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 1. Romans chapter 4. What then, Paul says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter about grace? In, in fact, if in fact, Abraham was justified by works. In other words, he produced his own son. He had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, <clears throat> but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their fruit, their faith, is credited as a righteousness. We call that, the just shall live by faith. We create that. That's how we create It was Martin Luther who really picked that up in the Protestant Reformation and pick that up. Two great themes came out. Sola Scriptura, the Bible and the Bible only. And the second was Sola Grisal, by grace alone. Those two great themes came out of the Protestant Reformation. And what took place when they made that step, when that happened, was the understanding of that just shall live by faith. I was um, going down the street and talking to the Lutheran pastor one time. We had become friends. His, his church was just a half a block down the street from mine. And so we became acquainted, and I was in talking, and we were talking theology and stuff and doing our thing. And, and as we were talking and sharing together, he said, uh, uh, I mean, I said to him, you know, I have a hard time um, helping my congregation understanding the beauty and wonder of the grace of God, what grace is about. I have a hard time getting that across. Uh, because, you know, the Sabbath is important to us. And so then he goes, well, I have the same problem at uh, my church. And I said, what? You're the, you're the rock bed of Lutheranism. You're the ones with Luther with the just shall live by faith. You would think everyone would clearly understand. He says, no, 
we struggle with it here too. You see, Jesus' righteousness is credited to you by faith. Jesus' righteousness. So if I may illustrate that, I have done this before. I'm going to illustrate it again. The Bible says there is a book in heaven that has written down all of our works, all of our deeds, everything is written in the book in heaven. And in that book, good and bad is there. So if we were to stand before the judgment, they would look at our life and open the book and see if we are acceptable into heaven. Now here's the hitch. One sin keeps you out. Can't take sinners in. So I'm a little embarrassed because my three or four or five volume set of things that I've done are have embarrassing or sinful stuff. Like yours. But it is what it is. I know I'm doomed. I can't stand before God and say, uh, I used to think I could get in on the curve, you know. Well, I, you know, we've got a saint over here. She's, she's, oh, she never did anything wrong in her life, I was convinced. And, and uh, so if she gets the A, maybe I can get in on a D. Slip in. But God says, well, let's look, let's see what you have. And just before he opens my book, Jesus steps up beside me and says, um, I see you may have a problem. And I said, yes, I, I certainly do. <laughs> As I hide my book behind me, he says, well, look, do you want to trade books? And I said, what? He says, look, it, I will give you my record of life, my perfect life on earth, to be yours, and I will take yours to be mine. Well, that sounds good. Well, what's going to happen? Well, try it. See what happens. So I take Jesus' life, perfect record. I offered it to God, and God says, well, is there any sin in it? No, no, no sin. You always did my will, yes. Even, even things that um, you, you should have done, you did, yeah. Yeah, always did. Well, well, come in. You're my child, come in. And I say, thank you, Jesus. What are you going to do with my book? I'm going to take it to Calvary and I'm going to die for it. I'm going to pay the price. You see, what happened was, Jesus' righteousness becomes credited as mine Amen. by faith. It becomes credited. That's what happened to our dear friend Abraham. Our dear friend Abraham, he was gifted. He was gifted righteousness. He was given righteousness simply because he trusted in God, simply because he amended, as it were, just he believed in God, because he put his faith in God and his trust in God to take care of him. God gave him the righteousness. Are you lost in this discussion about this? 
It is the most crucial thing that you could ever, I remember when I first found out. I was pastoring before I found out about this. To realize really what the grace of Christ was like. And as a result, I started to love Jesus after that. If you have not experienced that, you need to. There's nothing as freeing, as freeing as being under the graciousness of Christ. To be forgiven. So trusting, trusting in Jesus' love and his gift of righteousness to me. Trusting in that alone. Trusting, trusting in that. Well, this is uh, Martin Luther King's weekend. And there's an old part of that, an old thing in that movement. There's amazing things that he accomplished with his short life. Amazing things of how he helped. Not only did he help people of color, he helped all of us. You have to be recognized, he helped all of us. But there was a thing in there, that, a deal in where he was going, free at last, free at last, praise God Almighty, I am free at last. My friends, that's us too. In Jesus, having credited his righteousness to us, we are free at last. Free at last. Praise God Almighty, we're free and forgiven. Praise God Almighty, we are his. What a beautiful, beautiful theme and thought to finally be free from having to carry that guilt, having to carry that traps that hold you, having to carry those things with you all the time, saying, well, I'm never good enough. God tells you, you are perfect before me when you've been credited the righteousness of Christ by faith. And so stand free. Come boldly before the throne of grace because you have been free. Dear Lord, I thank you for this message and this theme of, of Abraham. It is such a powerful thing to see that it were credited to him righteousness. I thank you, Lord, for giving that to us. I thank you for the beauty of that. But today there may be some here who have not caught on to how they can be free in you. Lord, help us help each other. Be able to find that freedom that comes in you. And Lord, I ask today that we may enjoy the freedom that you give, credited to us, the righteousness of Christ. In Jesus' precious name, amen.